Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. This is week three of our sermon series, This Is Us. Today's message is titled, We Serve Our Community. Enjoy the word. Amen, amen. Come on, we could do better than that. We serve a good God. Well, good morning, and how is everybody doing? Oh, you guys are asleep. Let's try that again. Good morning. Listen, when the people online are shouting louder than we are, there's a problem. No, I'm just kidding, guys. Good morning. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is a pleasure to have you guys here. Hey, by the way, uh, before I dive into today's sermon, uh, just, just to let you know, if you have not been water baptized... And that's something that you'd like to do. July 20th at the Day at the Lake at Promised Land State Park in Pennsylvania. It's only an hour away. Don't worry about it. I want to encourage you to do it. Let me put it to you this way. What does this ring announce to everybody? Get your hands off. He belongs to some. No, let me stop. <laughs> let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me get proper. Right. It announces, yes, it announces that I'm married. But watch this. If I take this ring off, do I stop being married? So I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because baptism is a tool that we've been given by Christ that announces to everyone by way of our decision to proclaim it to all that we belong to Jesus. And the reason why I want to encourage you, if you haven't been water baptized, to do it is because if Jesus did it, then we should be proud to announce that, what he did for us. Amen? So if you want to, if you want to do that, stop by, get services. We'll get you signed up promise you we'll keep it practical and simple. But anyway, we're diving into a series that we've been on over the last several weeks. We've been talking about the topic of this is us. Say this with me. This is us. Now, for some of you, you're going, okay, what exactly are we talking about? I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you asked. We've been on a series really talking about what it means to be a Christian. Specifically, what are some of the things that uh, characterize us as Christians that set the climate, not just for our lives, but around us? Believe it or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I want you to know something, that your life was created to make an impact. You are created to make an impact. Now, for some of us, we might not believe that. We might struggle with that. But I pray that today you come with an open heart, open ears, right? Everybody do this with me. Right, just make sure they're on. Right, okay, they're on. Don't tune me down. Right, don't tune me out. Let's listen in because today my job is not to convince you of anything. My job is simply to point you to the truths that the Word of God reveals, and my prayer is that the truth of God's Word would impact your heart in such a way that you would see that you were created to make an impact. So, uh, as I said, we've been on this series entitled "This Is Us," and week one we learned that our love for God, a love for God naturally impacts us to do something very practical but very powerful. You ready for this? It empowers us to love. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. See, if you don't have an encounter with love, who is God the person, we can't genuinely love. And let's put it this way. What good is it to love people if they don't know the God who is love? Make sense? Last week, we learned that as we love people in our love for people, that what we do is we begin to introduce God. And that begins to transform lives, right? 
And this week we're going to be talking about we serve our community. We serve our community. Now, before we jump into this, I want you to, I want to just go back to something that I've been alluding to over the last couple of weeks, that because our lives are created to impact change around us, we have to be clear on how we're living. And here's what I mean by that. You can either be a thermometer or you can be a thermostat, right? Now, here's the thing. For many people, we live as thermometers. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. We reflect the environment around us. Our attitudes reflect the circumstances we experience. Our lives are characterized by the popular consensus, the general uh, uh, opinion, right? Whatever's happening around us. But God didn't create you and I to be thermometers. He created us to be thermostats. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. You and I were created to turn the dial and impact the environment. You and I are the very thing that God uses. You are the solution that God has in mind because you bear witness to who Christ is in your life to impact and turn things around. That makes sense? That all right? Come on now. That's good stuff, man. Good stuff, preacher. You preaching to me. right? And so look, we serve our community. But I want you to take a moment to consider what that statement means to you. We serve our community. I want that to sit with you for a moment. And I want you to consider, does it mean that we do occasional acts of kindness? Right? Does it mean that we take an interest in helping a few people every now and then? Does it mean that we volunteer our time when we can? Does it mean that we play a small part every now and then? Or does it mean something more? Does it mean something more? See, here at Church of the Bridge, we believe that we are called to serve our community. But let's look at what the Bible has to say about what that means. Because you see, serving your community doesn't just mean what we do here at Church of the Bridge. Community is wherever you go. I want you to think about this. Some of us came with the mindset and we said, I'm going to church today. And what you don't realize is that you brought the church with you because you are the church. See, when you show up in distressed communities, the church is there. When you're in your car and people are acting crazy on the road, the church is there. When you're walking in a hospital and people are dying and people are sickly, the church is there. When you walk into your job and you want to strangle everyone around you because they're crazy, listen, the church is there. And when you're amongst your family, because how many of us know family can be crazy sometimes, right? The church is there. The church is there. You're there. And so, listen, let's go to the Word of God and let's look at the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. The book of Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. If you don't have your Bibles, you could certainly join us right here on the screen. You can use your phone as well. If you have the app, you can jump right in. You've got 52 different translations for the Bible on the app. But anyway, starting at verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we got to get a picture of what's happening here. At this point, Jesus has risen from the dead. 
and he appears to his disciples and many other people, the Bible tells us, over 40 days. And during those 40 days, the Bible tells us that he was teaching them about the kingdom. How the kingdom of God works. What's the purpose of the kingdom? And so he's teaching them about the kingdom. And then he clarifies something to the disciples, but also to us. You got you to understand where the disciples were, though, to understand his response. Listen to what they were saying. They were saying, hey, Jesus. They kept asking him incessantly. If we could just put up verse 6. I want you to see what the Bible says. It says that the apostles were with Jesus and they kept asking him. Watch what they kept asking him. In other words, it wasn't just one quest, one time. It was incessant. There was a demand there. There was, there was something that was urging them. But watch what they were moved by. The Bible says that they said to him, um, Jesus, has the time come for you to free Israel? Watch this. And restore our kingdom. I want you to start thinking about this. Their focus was, hey, is now my time, Jesus? Is now when you, when you bring my breakthrough? Is now when you turn my life around? Is now when I get what I need? Is now the time... When you restore us back to the place where we once were as a nation, where we were above everybody else. And Jesus says, you got the wrong focus. You're missing the focus of the Father. You're missing what this is all about. And then he clarifies for them and for us what this is about. He says, you'll receive power in verse 8 when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Watch this, and you will be my witnesses. Listen, whether you know God or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you're here or you're watching online, whatever the case is, again, that's, that's between you and God. But I want you to see something, that God empowers people to be a witness. What does that mean? It means a witness is one who has experienced, who has seen. So God is inviting us into something powerful. And he's saying, I want to do something powerful in your life, but not just for your benefit. I want you to go to different places and I want you to begin to share and to to be a light, to, to exemplify that before people so that people could know that there is a God who's good and is real. There's a God who loves people. There's a God who's not concerned with people's past, but more so with their future and their present there's a God who's reaching out and he's doing it through you and me and so he says you're going to receive this power and you'll be empowered to be witnesses watch this telling people everywhere you know what's interesting about that word everywhere in the Greek it really means everywhere it means everywhere everywhere you go everywhere But then he hones in and he tells us how. Listen closely. He says, in Jerusalem, now here's what you might not know. That's where they were. He says, in Jerusalem. Then he says, throughout Judea, which was just a little bit further out from where they were. And then he says, after Judea in Samaria, which was just a little further out from from where Judea was. And then he says, and then to the ends of the earth. See, these guys, like us possibly, were focused on what God could do for them. 
what God could do for them. Maybe you came here today seeking something from God. I am so glad you are here. But what I want you to know is that what you take from here is for you, but it's also meant to impact someone else. It's also meant to touch someone else. And so here's what Jesus tells them. He tells them how they're to do this and how we're supposed to do it. And he says, start in Jerusalem. Let me, let, me, let me break that down for you. Start right where you are. Pastor, you don't understand the dysfunction in my family. Yes, start there. But pastor, you don't understand the place that I live in, the people around me. Yes, start there. Yes, start right there. But you don't understand the state of our marriage and all the hurt and all the pain and everything that we've gone through and and we're just at the point of quitting. No, 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 no. Start there. Start right there. But my kids are driving me up the wall. I just want them out. Start there. Start there. Start right there. See... He says, start right where you are, and then after you finish where you are, now I'm taking you to a place called Judea. Let me take you out a little bit further. And then after Judea, I'm going to take you to another place called Samaria. And then after that, I'm sending you to the utter parts of the world. Listen. Wherever you are, just know this, that God didn't create you to stay there. But you see, you got to start where you're planted. For many Christians today, we believe that God wants to reach the world and bring life change. But we don't want to believe that we play a part in reaching it and bringing it life change. Do you get that Jesus is the solution, but you and I are the ones that bear that truth, that carry, that banner? Do you know that if you don't show up, God won't show up? Because you didn't. And so when we say we serve our community, listen, here at Church at the Bridge, whether you call this home or not, I I, I know I'm going to bring it a little bit closer to home for us that call home Church at the Bridge. I want you to see something, that when we say we serve our community, we're not talking about one block. We're not talking about one set or group of people. We're not talking about one neighborhood. We're talking about an entire city made up of 34,293 people within a 3.8 mile square radius. I'm telling you that God has called us to start right here in this city. And I'm telling you that we're taking it. I'm telling you that God has sent us here to be a solution, to bring it. I just heard somebody say, wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about an entire city? What do you mean by that? See, I didn't say that. Jesus did. He told the disciples, you start in Jerusalem and you bear witness to me all in that city. You turn it upside down. And then after you're done doing that, then go to Judea. And then after you think you've, you've finished and you're done, no, then go to Samaria. And then after you're done there, keep going because there's an entire world. See, we're not meant to just cause an impact right where we are. There's some way that we're going with this. And let me tell you why it's so important to start where you are. 
And for those of you that call church at the bridge home, let me tell you why it's important for us to start here in this city. Because if we don't do this well, we ain't going nowhere. If, if we can't begin right where we are in our understanding of Christ, I, I, I heard it. I heard somebody else say, but this is all new to me. But, but, but I don't know the Bible like you do. See, we concern ourselves with semantics and what, we, what we're going to say and how we're going to look, but just show up and watch God show up. Just show up and watch God show up. And so, listen, in Jesus' day, this city, Jerusalem, was 48 uh, square miles. And he said, this is your starting point. It was, it was about 700,000 some odd people there. He says, just start here. Just start where you are. Start in your home. Start amongst your family. There are so many stories of life change here. And listen closely. Many of you are impacting people, but don't lose sight of what God is calling you to. Maybe somebody told you, you know what, you don't qualify. Maybe, maybe somebody told you, you don't fit. Maybe you felt like you don't belong amongst the body. I'm here to tell you that you belong. You're strong. There's something great that God has called you and only you to do. See, the call to serve as a Christian is not a passive one. Jesus put it this way. He said, the kingdom suffers violence. Here's what he's saying. He's alluding to a time where he was sharing this gospel and people's response was equivalent to violence because they were, it was like they were rushing. They were pressing is what that word means. They were coming from every side, from every angle because they wanted this truth, because they wanted this life change. And Jesus says, this kingdom is suffers violence. And watch what he says, and the violent, they take it by force. There is nothing passive about this gospel. There's nothing passive about the truth. There's nothing passive about bringing solutions. Well, maybe you're of the opinion, well, serve an entire city. Serve my family. Serve those people that I don't want to be around. I want you to think about this. What does God think about it? See, you're chosen. We're chosen. This is us. This is what we're called to. We're not called to sit on the sidelines of life, ladies and gentlemen. We're called to be the solution that God has enacted in this world. We can't be passive about this. So I know that there's some of you that go, serve an entire city? Me? Impact lives of people who come from some of the most difficult situations? Make a difference? Little old me? Puny old me? And to you, I respond with a story that we can all relate to. Because we all heard it way back when, when we were possibly in daycare and kindergarten. It's a story called The Little Engine That Could. <laughs> now, I'm not going to read you the whole story. But I'll kind of summarize it for you. And the way the story goes is that there's this train that's on a train track, and it's got all these cabooses with it, and it's full of toys, right? And teddy bears, plush toys, and clowns, and all this. And all the toys are happy. And all of a sudden, and then there's, there's all these delicacies and foods and fruits 
all with the intent of going over this mountain that it's approaching to get to the other side, to get it to these little boys and girls. And all of a sudden, the train stops short. And as much as it chugs, 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 it can't get over. It dies out. And so all the little toys start to cry. And this little clown gets up amongst all the toys and he says, wait, there's hope. Look, there's a big shiny engine coming towards us. And the story goes that the little clown says to the engine, to the big shiny engine, oh, big shiny engine, won't you help us get all these toys and all this food and all these delicacies, all these wholesome things to the kids on the other side? We have to get it to them. If you don't help us, we won't get it there. And the big shiny engine replies, I pull you? I think not. I'm a passenger engine. I've just carried a fine big train over the mountain with more cars than you could ever dream of. I have sleeping cars and comfortable seats and dining cars with waiters who serve people their every delight and parlors to look out of these big glass windows. I, I carry you? I think not. And so all the toys begin to cry as this big shiny engine chugs away. And the little clown gets up and he goes, wait, there's hope. He says, there's a big, strong freight train coming our way. And he goes to the big freight engine and he goes, oh, Mr. Freight Engine, Mr. Big Strong Freight Engine, would you help us? We've got to get all these little toys and all these, all these wholesome foods for these kids on the other side. Would you help us, please? And the big, strong freight engine says, I've just pulled a big train load with costly machines. Machines that are so expensive and print books and newspapers for grown-ups to read. I'm very important. I will not carry the likes of you. And so all the little toys get together and lean on each other and they cry and they boo and they hoo and woo-hoo-hoo. And the little clown gets up again. He goes, wait, there's hope. There's a rusty old engine coming our way. And he goes to the rusty old engine. He goes, oh, Mr. Rusty Old Engine, would you help us? We must get these toys over to the other side. We must get all these foods for these kids on the other side. And the rusty old engine says, I'm so tired. I must rest my weary wheels. I cannot pull even so little a train as you. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. And he chugs along. And all the toys cry in despair. They feel like there's no way this is going to happen. The kids aren't going to get what they need. And then all of a sudden, the clown, you guessed it, gets up and he goes, wait, there's hope. And he says, look, there's a little blue engine coming our way. And as he approaches the little blue engine, the little blue engine initiates the conversation and says, what's the matter, my friends? And he says, we have all these toys and all these wholesome foods that we have to get to the other side. We must get them there for the kids, the boys and the girls. And the little blue engine says, I'm not very big. I'm used only for switching trains in the yard, and I've never been over the mountain. But the little engine was conscious as he looked all amongst the toys. 
He was conscious of their tears, and he thought about all the little boys and girls that wouldn't get toys and wholesome foods. And so he hooks himself up to this train that was stuck, and as he pulls, he tells himself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, and he chugs and he puffs, and he chugs and he puffs. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, and he gets over to the mount, over the mountain on the other side, and the toys rejoice and the kids rejoice, and as he unhooks from them and he, he continues on his way, he tells himself afterwards, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could, I knew I could. Why am I sharing that with you? Because the only thing stopping you from serving is a can. It's a can't. Let me tell you what a can't is. Here before you, I've got two cans. They look the same. They advertise the same product. They advertise the same level of uh, product within them. They even have a big shiny logo and a name and they both advertise the promise of the product that supposedly lies within them. But the difference between a can't and a can is that a can has substance. A can't is empty of promise. A can't is empty of the promise of what you've been called to, of the difference that God has anointed and appointed you to make. A can't is empty and therefore... It easily falters. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not the life that God has called you to. That's not who you're called to be. The Bible says that you can do all things through Christ who is your strength. The Bible says that he created you for good purposes. The word of God says that his plan is one to prosper you, to give you hope in a future, not to harm you. And so, for the next couple of moments that I have, I want to talk to you about why we can. And then I want to talk to you about what it takes. What it takes. Here's why we can. Here's why you can do it. Here's why we can do it. Here's why you can impact change wherever you go. The first reason is because it's God's will. It's God's will. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you. Listen closely to this. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Let me break that down for you this way. Here's what that literally shows us. That God's response to change in all people's lives is, I can and I must. God is unwilling that any perish but that all come to the saving knowledge of Christ, that all come to this place where we not only understand that God loves us, but we begin to explore and see the purposes that God has created us for, that God wants to use your life to bring change. It's because God is with us. It's because it's his will. The second reason is because God is with us. I said that already, but watch this, Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. He says, all your life, no one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage. You are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. 
Listen, I know that taking on a city, to taking on your community, taking on your home, taking on children, taking on people, taking on problems, I know it seems impossible. But the Bible says, God says, I'll be with you. You know why that's important? I remember when I was a kid, um, I, I used to hang out with an older crowd. This is b- before Christ, before I understood this whole Jesus thing. And I used to hang around with a bunch of older people, and we used to go to clubs. And I always used to get in. But it wasn't because when we got to the line, I would say, they're with me. Every time I'd be walking in, they go, wait, wait, shorty, where you going? Stop. Let me see your ID. And true to form, one of the guys I was with, they'd always go, he's with me. And I go, yeah, I'm with him. I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because many times we approach this whole deal about relationship with God, and we say, yes, God is with me, but we forget that the power is in the fact that we are with him. He's the one that opens doors. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because, look, God has called you and I, and he's with us. But more importantly, we're with him. And so when you show up, God shows out. When you show up, God shows up. When you show up, difference, change happens. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 28. He says, he says go to all the world and make disciples. And he says, Teach them what I've taught you. It's not that complicated. Just tell them what God's doing in your life. Tell them what you're learning. He says, go and tell them what I've taught you. And he says, and then he goes on to say, and I am with you. He says, lo, I am with you. In other words, he says, stop. Consider this. Don't forget this. This is an important point. He says, I'm with you to the end of the age. See, God's with you. And so you and I can and we must because God is with us. And the last thing I want to share with you in regards to this point is simply this, that because God has called us to build and restore, we can and we should because God has called us to build and restore. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Isaiah 58 verses 11 through 12 says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your need in the sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Watch what's at work in you. It never fails. It never fails. You are full, wall-to-wall, power-packed with a God who's with you. And he says, watch this, verse 12. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of street dwellings. Leave that verse up, please. See, a vision from God requires a visionary. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. There are things that God will show you, but then he'll surround you with people that will help you accomplish it. And let me tell you a little bit about myself. And for those of you that know me long enough, you know that I don't say this boastfully, but I am a visionary. When we came to this city Four, a little over four years ago, everyone told me that I knew, don't go to Newburgh. When we came to the city, we were about 30 people when we, when we landed in this building. That's all it was, 30 people. And I would, I would talk with pastors and they would go, yeah, well, you know, we'll see how it works out for you. Every time I, I encountered people in the community, I heard about all the negative stuff that was happening here. And in the midst of it, and I'm, I'm known to walk out of meetings. I've done it. 
where people are telling me everything that's wrong with people, with this community, with this region. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong room. I don't belong in this meeting. You see, I see something different. I see something different. Let me tell you what I see. Where others see the bottom of the barrel, I see a way out. Where others see ruin and abandoned buildings, I see buildings restored and families thriving. Where others see a a city depleted of resources and empty of hope, I see a city enriched by the hand of God and overflowing with the blessing of God because the people of God are rising up. Now remember, I said to you, the reason why we can and we should do this is because God has called us to rebuild and restore. But don't miss this point. This is valuable. This is necessary. Look at verse 12. In the previous verses, God says, look, I'm guiding you, and I'm satisfying your needs in a sun-scorched land, and I'll I'll strengthen your frame. He says, you'll be like a well-watered garden. The water in you will never fail. But then he says this in verse 12. He says, your people will rebuild. I want you to get what God is saying. He might give a vision to one, but it takes a people to carry it out. And there are places that God has called you. And there are people that are around you that God is equipping you with. There's an army of support and resources and help. And what I'm saying to you is that God has called us to build and restore. Look at what God calls you and I. He calls us the repairers of broken walls, the restorers of streets with dwellings. God is about to use you and me, but we got to stand up so that God can show up and show out. You may think you're here to learn about God. and I'm glad you're getting something. But the bigger picture is that we're here to rebuild ruins. I'm so glad that this is on tape and that this is on the internet. Because I'm telling you, we know what we're called to. We know what we're called to. Now, I just heard somebody go, touch an entire city? Yeah, right. Watch. You watch. You watch. Now, let me deviate from my notes and just share something with you. Before you can ever do what God has called you to, you got to do it in places where nobody sees you. The Bible says that God rewards what you do in the unseen for everyone to see. And we diligently, from when we were 12 people to now where we're over 260 people, over two services, and I, we're working towards a new facility because we just don't fit. But listen closely to what I'm saying. At every juncture, we've always done this. We serve our community because we love God, because we love people. When we were about 35 people, Halloween was coming up, and we said, let's do something that this city has never seen. Let's create a safe space for families on a night called Halloween. Now, get this. The church, the church world out here crucified us for it. Oh, that's the devil's day. Show it to me in Scripture. Because every day, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we're glad in it. We don't give not one day to the enemy. And so we, 30 plus people strong, we went to the city and we said, we want to do an event where families can come out. We're going to provide our trunks and we're going to open them up and we're going to bring some music and we're going to provide a safe 
space, and we're going to love on people. We're going to give them candy. And we went to the wreck. 900 people showed up that night. Everybody went, <gasps> You know what we said? We know who the God is that we serve. Today, that event alone runs over 2,500 people or so. We're about to do an event coming up called Super Soak Summer Bash where we get together and what we're doing is promoting safety in this community. And we gather people together and we share the gospel and we say we're going to pray and agree with God's word that he's rebuilding this city, that he's bringing hope, that there's a well that does not run dry here and we agree with them. See, we're called to serve this community and as we do, here's what we'll see. We'll see God's hand bring his promise to pass, though we got to show up. And so the next couple of minutes I have here, and I promise I'll be very quick with this, I want to talk to you about what it takes to touch a city, what it takes to start where you are, wherever that is. And I want you to turn with me to the book of John 13, verses 1 through 17. John 13, verses 1 through 17. And I'll give you just some quick, uh, quick recap of what's happening here. Jesus is on his way out. This is his last night with the disciples. See, he's about to be crucified. And this night is the night when he's betrayed by one of his very own disciples. And so the Bible says that Jesus took these, these last moments to share the most important thing on his heart. Let's see what I'm talking about. Let's see why. Starting at verse 1 in John 13, it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. Now watch this. And now, in other words, at this very moment, he loved them to the very end. In the Greek, here's the way that translates. He showed them the full extent of his love is what it says there. In other words, at this very moment, what Jesus is endeavoring to do is to show them the very pinnacle of his love for them. The highest form of love. Watch this. Verse 2, it was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. And so he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped the towel around his waist. And he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. 
So I want to unpack this in the next couple of minutes that I have here. I want you to see that at the very end, when Jesus chooses to express the full extent of his love for his disciples, he does it at their feet. And here's what you might not know. Here's why this is so important for us to grasp. Here's why it merits us digging into this and considering the truths revealed here. Because what Jesus did was uncommon. Because Jesus assumed the role of a slave. That's why Jesus was, uh, that's why Peter was astounded. That's why he said, "What you washed my feet? See, slaves washed the feet of people. And Jesus, when he decided to show them and us the full extent of his love, he, he stripped himself of his title. He stripped himself of his clothing. He stripped himself of everything and he wrapped himself with a towel and he got at the feet of people. And he dug in. The Bible says this, that God so loved the world that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus was exemplifying. He was giving us an example of what he was about to do, and they weren't getting it. And unfortunately for some of us, we don't get it. I prove it to you because the love that we give is conditional. It's based on if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. You know what love does? Love sees what no one else sees and goes where no one else goes because it's good and godly and it's right. And so in verses 15 and 16, Jesus says to them, look, you see what I've done? You don't understand it. He says, wash each other's feet. In verse 16, he says, do as I have done to you. So if your desire is to serve a community, if your desire is to be, to, 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 for your life to make an impact, for you to truly do what you and I were designed for, here's what we got to realize, that the way up is down. It's down. It's down. And to do this, we got to be clear on the call. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. We got to be clear on the call. Let's put that point up, please. I want you to consider this. To serve to the extent that Christ calls us to, you and I have to answer a critical question for ourselves. And we see this directly from the life of Jesus. Are you in it for a title or a towel? Listen closely to what I'm saying here. Don't miss this point. This is good. This is important. This will change your life. This will bless you in ways you've never been blessed. This will open doors that you've never seen open in your life. Jesus shows up. Let me remind you of the words of Jesus in Mark 10, 45. We don't have that, so don't worry about looking at the screen. But Jesus says this. This is God himself in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. And here's what he says. I did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay my life down as a ransom for many. God said that. I came to lay it down. I want you to just take five seconds and I want you to consider this question. Are you in it for a title or are you in it for a towel? Because the title is about entitlement. A title is about being known and being seen. A title is about what people think and what I do so that I can get accolades and I can feel good about myself and I can pat myself on the back and say, good little Christian. But a towel, a towel 
is about doing what Jesus displayed and gives us example as the highest form of love. It's to serve. It's to serve. Take another five seconds. Where are you at with that? Are you flaunting a title? Are we proclaiming to be Christians and saying it proudly that our actions say otherwise? Are we conscious of what's happening around us? Of the people all around us? I guarantee you this. If today after you walk out of here, you saw a little girl walking across the street with her headphones on and this this big old truck coming towards her and she's unconscious of it and she's about to get hit of it, the majority of you, if not all of you, would run to the middle of that street with selfless, with, with selfless abandon and you would push that little girl out the way so that she would live at the expense of your own life. And here's what we fail to realize, that every day there are people walking around us and their lives are crushing them. The lies of the enemy are bringing destruction into their life. There's mayhem and chaos and havoc all around them coming towards them. And we're walking around going, God bless you. Jesus loves you. You know what the Bible says? That if you have the ability to meet a need, that you and I should do so. We're not talking about feel-good Christianity, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking about appeasing our feelings and getting a gospel good message and, you know, yay for me. We're talking about the kingdom of God, God himself. I didn't come to be served but to serve. So we got to be clear on this call. Tell you what else we got to do. We got to reach the unreachable. We have to be willing to do the unthinkable. We've got to be willing to go places that nobody else would go and relate and connect to people that no one else wants to. Now, for some of us, we think about the person who's down and out on their luck, you know, they're struggling financially, and yes, that's too. But do you know that we have people dressed in suits, living in mansions, people that are well off to everyone else? but empty and hurting and in need of a Savior. See, we got to reach the unreachable and we got to do the unthinkable. Every month, we have a group of men, different men, they gather together and we go to a transitional facility that houses about 30 men. And this place has a reputation in this community for not wanting to touch those guys. See, these guys have marred pasts. They're struggling. They're homeless. They have issues with addiction. They face some significant challenges. And every month we go there. And here's what we do. We bring a hot-cooked meal I'm not talking about some stuff that was frozen that we heat up. I'm talking about people actually put together some really good meals. Show up, and we sit with these guys, and we feed them, but we eat with them. And we listen to their stories, and we listen to their hurts, and we share encouragement, and then we we share a message of hope directly out of the word. We inspire them and show them that they can. 
not that they can't. We reveal to them that God believes in them maybe more than they believe in themselves. And we serve these guys. And then we've got, thank God we're blessed with so many guys in here that cut hair. I know one of our barbers, he brought one of his guys that he's teaching to cut hair. And thank you for joining us and being a part of that. And we just love on these people. And people look at us like we're crazy. You're going there? You're doing what? I'll tell you why we do it. Notice in verse 8, after Peter says to Jesus, you're going to wash my feet? Never, no, never, you'll never do that. Look at Jesus' response. He says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Let me put it to you this way. The only way, the only way anyone can find a place of belonging in God's kingdom is if we'll serve them first. See, Peter didn't understand what Jesus came for. He thought it was about our kingdom. And Jesus says, if you don't get what I'm about and what I'm calling you to do, not only won't you belong, but neither will they. See, we got to go where people are unwilling to go to. In washing their feet, Jesus was demonstrating that he's not only willing to wash the feet of men, but he's willing to serve the very people that would reject him, deny him, abandon him, and betray him. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to go to that extent? Because Jesus did. Get this. What we see is that Jesus shows up with the intention of demonstrating the pinnacle of love. And verse 2 tells us that Judas was there. The guy that would betray him, the one who was thinking about 30 pieces of silver, and Jesus shows up. And guess what? Judas was there when he washed feet. For some of us, we might be at his feet and we might go, you cotton picking scoundrel. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was washing his feet and stating, I love you. The same guys that cut out on him when he was arrested. The same guys that denied him multiple times. He washed their feet. You know what? That's not their story. That's our story. That's our story. That's us. Are you willing to go to that extent? And lastly, I want to leave you with this point. That our highest call as Christians is found at the feet of people. The way up is down, ladies and gentlemen. Many people get excited about serving people. But we got to keep in context that when Jesus uses the word servant, and when he gives the example that beckons us to serve, what he's telling us is, hey, assume the role of the servant. Let me tell you how real this is. Assume the role of the slave. Get down on your knees. See, a slave does that which is beneath others so that those that are above them can benefit the most. Can you imagine what this world could look like if all we did was outserve one another? Can you imagine what communities and broken homes in a world that's defined by strife 
And the scripture says that where strife is, hatred is at work. The Bible says that where there's strife, every type of evil is at work there. That's the world we live in. Could you imagine what the world around us could look like if we served? I want to encourage you with something. Instead of seeking your castle, why not lay down your life for his kingdom? Because in his kingdom, there's room for all. In his kingdom, there's solutions for all. In his kingdom, there's healing. There's restoration. There's redemption. That which was desolate is made whole and full and thriving. Let's stand here today. As we close up and we get ready to go, I want to leave you with this thought. How does this apply to my life? (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you asked. Jesus in John 15, 13 says this. He says, greater love has no man than this. Get this. The pinnacle of our experience with love. The greatest experience with love. He says, greater love has no man than this. How many of, you, how many of us want that kind of love operating in our lives? Watch what he says. Greater love has no man than this. Than to lay down his life for his friends. Now for some of us, we go, oh, okay, so I could just do that for my, me and my four and no more. No, 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 no. Don't forget that Jesus called the very people that would betray him friends. Friends are all around us. It's time that we wake up. It's time that we get this kingdom in its proper perspective. It's time that you and I see that the greatest experience of love and where God wants to take you and I may lead us to the feet of people, but it will raise us to a greater measure because God wants to reach an entire world. God wants to use you. Who, me? Yeah, you. Yes, you. Right where you are. Father, we come to you this day in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the truth that your word reveals. And Lord, I thank you that each and every one of us understands the truths you've you've shared with us today because Lord, we all understand what it is to be served. We understand the benefit of it. But Lord, I pray that today you would birth a hunger, that there would be wellsprings overflowing in the lives of us, your people, Lord, that we would see beyond ourselves and we would see that we were created to serve because, Lord, you want to display your love. Hey, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, Lord, use me. Use me. Here I am. Listen, God wants to use you. Yes, you. Yes, you. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't see yourself as small because God delights in the small beginnings. Right here, right now, some of you are facing a decision. You're at a place where you're going, you know what? I'm at a crossroads. I've never understood my life this way. 
I'm telling you today, make the choice to step up so God can show out. To go to those places where no one else wants to go. To do the unthinkable so that they can conceive a God who loves them and understand how much they matter. Father, today we say thank you. It's possible that maybe there's someone here today and you've never understood that God loves you that much. That God reaches out through the very people around you. Maybe the very person that brought you here today. And today what you recognize is that you have a need for God. And what you're asking yourself is, how do I do this? How do I, how do I take a step? How does this work? Well, today you're right where you need to be. Because the answer is found in the love of God that he saw you and I as sinners, but he paid the price that was ours to pay. He died the death that was ours to die, and he rose again to prove that you and I can rise up again from the ashes of life, that we can experience redemption, that we can find restoration, that we can live again anew. And if that's you, I want you to join us in prayer. Let's pray this together with confidence. Say this with us. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid the price for me. Today I declare that you're my Lord and Savior. And I choose you as my God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting you. I'm following after you. I'm looking to your best for my life. And from this day forward... I declare, I'm yours and you're mine. Come on now, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate what God has done. Hey, don't leave here without telling us about your decision. We want to walk alongside you on this journey of faith. Now, Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the call. We, des- we, des- we desire to serve you and others in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again.